This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Thanks for joining the conversation today. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. This is the second episode of our Lessons and Carols series. We're discussing the lessons we've learned about Christmas that don't quite line up with reality. Uh, Blue's Christmas was our first episode, and that was all about the way we've tied Christmas fulfillment to relationships and all the downfalls that are related to that. And Hannah, I have not stopped thinking about that since our discussion. It just seems to keep coming back around, I guess, because we're right in the middle of the Christmas season. But, But it's really been on my mind. It's been good for me. Me too. And honestly, one of the things that has stuck in my brain um, that you said last time that I'd never really thought about is how we um, view gift giving as akin to whether someone knows us and loves us. Mm. Like we put this value on a gift and whether it really, if a person really gets us, they will know what we want. Um, And I was, I've been thinking about that a lot because in my life, I feel like I've experienced this, but in two different ways of gift giving. So there are these philosophies, right? About how you go about getting gifts for the people in your life or how you receive gifts from the people Uh in your life. And, And I think it's really based a lot on family culture or what you kind of experienced growing up and growing up the way we gave gifts was we kind of went out into the marketplace and looked to see what was available. So we didn't have a whole lot of money. It was more like, what can I afford? What's the deal? What can I get in different places? And then what can I match to the people in my life that I need to get gifts for? So it's like, these are the things and it's a matchmaking process. Yeah, it's very much a matchmaking process. Like what's available (laughs) Who can that fit? So it was very much led by the things that are available. Well, I get married and my husband has a completely different experience with gift giving. and his, Which is always the case. Yes. In his <laughs> background, they basically wrote out lists and handed them to each other and said, here's my Christmas list. Get me what I want. It was almost like putting an order into JCPenney. That always makes me laugh because you could just exchange $20 and say, here, go buy your stuff. Right. <laughs> and so, like, there was a little mystery, like, did I get the green sweater or the red sweater? Right. But you kind of, like, knew what you had asked for. And so there was a sense on Christmas morning where, okay, there's a range of expectation. I kind of know. And what's fascinating is you wouldn't be disappointed. I mean, nobody's disappointed Christmas morning because you know yeah, what you, you picked wanted. Yeah, you it out yourself. And uh-huh. there was a form of communication going back and forth. But it's just... 
striking to me that we have these different ways of approaching gift giving and sometimes based on our background we can think certain ways are more personal yes. or more valid than others. Yeah, I I would say that I grew up with the the oh the person who knows me will just magically know what I want and I won't have to tell them because who knows if I even really knew what I wanted but I just figured someone would really know me buy the perfect gift and I would be so surprised but it would fill my heart completely because it was exactly what I always wanted no expectations um, at all oh yeah uh, no I I just assumed that someone would be able to figure that out and so so I, I agree. There are different philosophies and the idea of putting in my list feels very impersonal. But then on the flip side, it can be really awkward in gift giving when you are opening a gift and it is so completely not you. And then you need to hold on to the I'm going to be grateful because someone thought of me and gave me this thing that I really don't even want. And I do have to say there was a funny episode for me. Oh, this has been many years ago, but my grandmother was just starting to kind of turn into the dementia phase of her life. And she was giving out gifts and I opened my gift and it was a men's like a sweater vest and I was so confused. I was like, oh, is this for me? Like, did she mean to give this to me? And she was so excited about it. So then I just kind of rolled with it and figured, well, I'll just deal with this later. <laughs> I don't know why I have this men's sweater vest. But she, I think she saw the pattern and she thought, oh, Erin would like this. But I'm like, this is a men's <laughs> sweater. It was so strange. But you have to feign this joy for this gift that you're so confused. Why do I have this? Mm -hmm. And so you can't curtail some of that if you just hand someone a list and say, hey, here's what I'd like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this brings up the whole question of what our uh, relationship to gift giving should be during the Christmas season. Um, because like you said, there is this necessary gratitude um, for people expending their money and their time to give you something. But I find so often that there's duty attached to it. There's also sometimes this sense of um, expectation of gratitude, like you mentioned, where mm -hmm. you don't have a choice whether you like it or not. You just have to take it. Um, mm -hmm. And so it can get complicated really fast. And it's even more complicated by living in a society that's driven by consumption and abundance because if you want to push back on that, you could just swing in the opposite direction of saying, well, we're going to have a simple Christmas. Everybody gets an uh, orange and a peppermint stick in their stocking. You know? And that's it. Yep. <laughs> so there's a real needle well, to thread here. There really is. And, and that's why today for our discussion on this episode, we are going to look at the ways that we are seeking Christmas fulfillment through the amassment of stuff. And so we're calling this episode, All I Want for Christmas. And it fits right into this series of lessons and carols. We're kind of matching up a carol with the lessons or the things that we think about Christmas and really how those things don't mesh very often with reality or it jars our sense of reality um, as we compare it to what we think Christmas should be. So, so yeah, we need to dig into this topic. And I, I agree with you, Hannah, that there are so many things that, that fall into this and, and 
cause us to really feel the pressure and the tension of how do we reconcile all of the things that we expect about Christmas with really the reality of what Christmas is. And it is, I think, a struggle to sort out how do we deal with the consumption side and then how do we deal with how that relates to us in terms of our faith. And so there are lots of things we're going to sort out here in this episode. Yeah. And I think, you know, I want to make this point um, too, that consumption means different things depending on what the rest of your year looks like. Um, one of the things I've read and I, and I remember even growing up um, is that if you don't have a lot throughout the rest of the year and you scrimp and save that Christmas is like permission to have abundance. It is permission to go all out. And so I've seen this phenomena among um, lower income people or the poor um, where they will spend massive amounts of money, comparatively speaking, to their budget on Christmas even go into debt for it because there is this sense that this is the one time of year that I'm free to spend on my children or free to spend on my family. So Mm -hmm. all year long, Mm -hmm. I have to say no, 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 no. And now this time I'm allowed to go beyond what I should be doing Mm. in the name of Christmas. And and I kind of, I remember really, really big Christmases and it was a way to um, rejoice in abundance Mm -hmm. that you weren't free to experience the rest of the year. Now that um, I kind of exist in a more stable middle class income within our own family, Christmas is kind of like, meh, all right, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's get the gifts. But like all year long... If I need something, I buy it. You know, I'm not like buying massively expensive things, but I don't feel want the rest of the year. And so there is a different way that I approach the gift giving and the consumption at Christmas time. Because I, I don't have kids, I'm not sure how I would frame these things up to kids. But I remember when I was a child, when I would voice things that I would want or need. I remember my parents regularly saying, oh, well, put that on your Christmas list. I mean, it could be May and it would be like, oh, put that on (laughs) your Christmas list. Like you're going to have to hold off. Like that was the cue. Like you're not getting that right now. And so, but there was that sense of you don't get these things just whenever you need to think about them, put them on a list and decide if these are the things you really, really would like. But that's, like you said, that's not really the state that I'm in now as an adult. And Mike and I, very often, if there are things we we need, it's like, okay, I'm going to just pick that up or I'll see something that I know Mike will like and I just pick it up. So we don't have that delayed, think about it for later and maybe make the purchase at Christmas. We don't tend to do that. And so I agree, in some ways, the affluence of our society and our life, it has stolen a little bit of that joy of Christmas because it used to be the anticipation of, oh my goodness, I'm going to get this thing that I've been thinking about for months on end. So in that way, that's a sadness, I think, of the abundance that we have is that there isn't the anticipation 
and the looking forward to the the gifts that would come on this special day because we kind of do it all year long. Yeah, we really do. And I think maybe that's part of the wisdom behind the fast feast dynamic, mm-hmm. especially in mm-hmm. scripture, that it's not just that you would fast in order to turn your attention to God. And, and I mean, that is part of it, but it's that you would refrain from engaging or indulging in things that you might, that you would have a right to indulge in so that the pleasure of feasting is greater. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think you even see that in the lead up till Christmas. We talked about this last episode where we're feasting from Thanksgiving on. And so by the (laughs) time Christmas comes, you're, you're just done. Like the Christmas dinner is not exciting or fun because you've been eating cookies and sweets and having parties for the last five to six weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, and heaven help us by the time New Year's comes, all you want to do is just pack everything up and, and be done. <laughs> you mentioned cookies, and that is the thing that I think about is that even that indulgence in that way, like the 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 gifts that come with food related to them. At first, I get really excited about it, but then throughout the month, you get different packages and gifts. And by the time Christmas comes, I'm just like, oh, I've had enough of this. And it's not as enjoyable. And I think that that abundance, what it does, it's kind of like it, it, I don't know, it's like it's, it's, deadening our heart's ability to enjoy and to take pleasure in these things because it's no longer a treat. It's just the norm. And so how do we reset that? And sadly enough, I feel like every year I get to December and I think, oh, here we are again. And I haven't reset it. And so now I'm already in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And um, Mike and I were just talking about like, okay, we've had Thanksgiving. We've had the feasting. Okay. In December, let's, let's try not to do these things in December and hold off. And yet I found myself just last night. I seriously had cookies when I thought, Oh, I'm not going to have cookies now till Christmas. Right. <laughs> and so it's like my resolve lasts all of like six days. Yeah, <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> we actually haven't started decorating yet or uh, baking. Um, our first holiday party is tonight. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not really holiday themed because it's at a restaurant. And so I actually feel really healthy and clean like right now because <laughs> I don't mean like impure. I mean like just right, right. <laughs> like I don't feel like I've gotten uh, satiated yet. Yeah, um, because we've held off. Now my kids and, my, and Nathan are like they're ready to go. They're like, when can we get the tree? When can we get the tree? <laughs> but I'm enjoying not entering it yet um Mm -hmm. we still like i've got some massive cleaning to do i've got these other things on my list that i feel like i need to do these things first and then i can give myself to the abundance of christmas um but one thing i wanted to share with you because i did have like a perfect gift given to me once that i think goes in with the sense of someone knows you and you don't consume it in the moment. So mm-hmm. um, last year, Nathan got me a basket from Fortnum and Mason in London. Oh, which, I've never heard of this. Okay, so it, it's like a hamper. It's like a food hamper. And okay. the reason, this is like some high-end upscale specialty food shop in 
other things. Um, but I had read about this shop in books when I was growing up. And so it had this kind of literary appeal to me and this warm, fuzzy spot in my heart. And so he knew that and he got me this Christmas hamper and it had all of these tinned and sealed like jellies and nuts and teas and blah, blah, blah. And so what I was able to do is to just slowly parcel that out for the next, you know, three to four months. And it felt really healthy. It felt like Mm, an unusual uh gift. It felt like it's not something I would buy for myself. It is kind of a specialty. Here it is. It's different. It's Christmas time. Um, I thought of you. I knew you. It isn't something you need, but it's something you would enjoy and want. And also, you could use it over the course of, you know, you didn't just eat it during Christmas Right. It's not going to spoil because of the way that it's packaged. Well, I love that because, I mean, really, that sounds like the perfect gift. And it sounds like it did actually meet that that need that we talked about, like, oh, I'm known and I'm loved and I didn't have to directly ask for this particular thing. Um, I I see families do other things as well um, where they try to make it more of an experience or more memorable by having almost like categories for gifts. Like I've heard of this thing where they do, people do four gifts, um, something that's that you want something that you need something that you can wear and something that you can read like i've heard that where it's like oh here are different categories so that you're not saying oh here are 20 new sweaters it's more like you're getting a variety which is kind of nice i've also heard some friends of mine do like a three gift rule kind of mirroring the three gifts that the wise men brought Mm -hmm. to jesus Uh, have you ever used either one of those um I remember coming across the something you need, something you want, wear Mm -hmm. and read. And I think I may have done it once with our kids. And and depending on the ages and the season of life that you're in, you know, I think there are different things that make sense for for different years. Um, I remember one time we were so poor and we had moved right before Christmas. And our kids were, I don't know, maybe like six, five, maybe seven, five, and two. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were young enough that they needed to have Christmas and they needed to have a big thing, you know, because mm-hmm. it has to be Christmas. But we didn't have much money. And so we um, we cashed in, like, credit card points mm-hmm. and got a Wii system. And this was, like, oh, back when it was, fun. like, the Wii. Yes. And then maybe made a stop at the dollar store. <laughs> You know, to pick up little things for their stockings and little things they could unwrap. And that felt like a very abundant Christmas. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. very small, um, but it felt like for all of us as a family. So that was like a more family-oriented gift where we didn't get the children a big thing for themselves. We said, here, we're all getting this big gift together. Yeah. And it was very satisfying. I think that's key. It's it's like, okay, we did something a little bit different, but it creates something more of an experience or um, it enhances the family time or the togetherness. And I love that. Um, I read an article 
from Inc. Magazine, and it's talking about, well, the title is, Money Really Can Buy Happiness If You Spend It in These Four Ways. And the four ways that they list, supposedly science and research has have backed this up. So they say that if you spend your money so that you get extra time, if you spend your money so that you have a great experience, if you spend your money so that you are with someone that you care about, or if you spend it on somebody else, just as like a sacrifice. So those four things, somehow, if you combine them in any measure, that's going to enhance your happiness. And so I think your experience there with um, buying this we, it's like, oh, this is basically creating a family experience and you're with the ones you care about. And it does create time together. I mean, everyone rallies around the Wii to play together. So um, I think that falls right in line with a good way of, of using your gift. Yeah. Money. And I think that article you mentioned really gets to the heart of the question of Christmas consumption and gift giving, because it would be so easy just to look at the abundance and the consumption at Christmas and be kind of curmudgeonly and be like, well, you know, we're not supposed to have our eyes focused on things of this world. And, right, right. You know, to be super spiritual about the excess. Um, and yet the scripture does not tell us to embrace asceticism. It, it mm-hmm. says to be content in whatever state we're in, whether that's abundance or in want. And to know that how much you have has no bearing on your ultimate joy. And that your joy is found in Christ. And so you can have a lot and you can experience a lot or you can have little and you can still be happy. And what I think we're really struggling with at Christmas time as it relates to all forms of consumption, but especially the gift giving process is how do we reach joy through that? Mm -hmm. And can Mm -hmm. it be something that helps us reach joy? You know, like you said, Money can't buy happiness, but can it be a tool that God has given us to help us further the goodness in our lives and further the goodness in the lives of the people we love and ultimately to see him as a good, a giver of good gifts and to have thankfulness. And so I think really the, the challenge for us as Christians is not just to completely reject all of the abundance but to enter mm-hmm. into it in ways that are wise and that that further the things that we want to see happen in our lives. This is the tension, though, because the, the easy way is to go all in, all out on, on all types of spending or to say, I'm going to turn my back on it completely and say that it's completely shallow and wrong. And so going down the middle of this, it means having discernment and making decisions and and processing intent and motive and what is the greatest good. I mean, that takes a lot of work. And so I think it it in some ways it feels more spiritual in some ways just to say, oh, well, I don't participate in any of that. And it, it reminds me a little bit of how we all, I think, can rally around how Charlie Brown felt. We talked a little bit about Charlie Brown's Christmas last time. And I am thinking about how Charlie Brown's sister, Sally, was writing to Santa. And we all 
in some ways sided a bit with Charlie Brown, who was rolling his eyes at his sister because her letter to him um, she says, I've been extra good this year, so I have a long list of presents that I want. Please note the size and color of each item and send as many as possible. If it seems too complicated, make it easy on yourself. Just send money. How about tens and twenties? And so it's funny and it's humorous. And yet I think even in that scene, we side with Charlie Brown, who is rolling his eyes and sighing. And we say, oh, we don't want that. And so I think our knee-jerk reaction is, we don't want that. So now how can we make it completely other? Right. When really the sense is we need to engage here and, uh, and know that there's so much good in terms of being a giver and being someone who likes to bless other people, but that takes work. It's not easy. It isn't because cynicism, that kind of rolling of the eyes is yes. very easy. Like once you recognize the flaw in this consumption model, um, you do want to just reject the giving and even the desire. Like, yes, like how yeah. many people lecture kids be like, well, Christmas is not about us. It's about what we give right. to other people. And I'm like, yeah, the kid can have a list. You know, the kid right. can want things. Right. It's okay. But so we have this cynicism or we go into this hyper spiritual mode, right? And my favorite, and I have done this, so I am just making confessions here. My favorite thing <laughs> is like when you donate to a charity in someone's name instead of giving them a gift, right? <laughs> So, like, this is peak spirituality at Christmas time. It's like, you're not being an ascetic. You are putting money out, but you're going to put money out for the poor people in South America and then basically tell all of your loved ones who you're not buying <laughs> gifts for that they should be grateful because they're not living the life of these poor people in South America. Right. So, And I'm only saying this because I've done it. Like, I think when you're... <laughs> We, we got gifts for people, but they were smaller. And then we bought like chickens in their name. And I remember right. my, my in-laws were not impressed because <laughs> my in-laws have chickens, right? So, so like they so put like, chickens out in their backyard and we're like, here, here's your smaller present. And oh, drum roll, please. We donated money <laughs> to this Christian charity who is now buying chickens for your family in South America. <laughs> <laughs> and my father-in-law is like, why didn't you buy me chickens? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we could use some here. Yeah, so, and I understand that impulse. And I, please, do, listeners, do not take this as not including those kind of charities right. in your gift giving. It's just funny. We do it. Um, you know, we, every year we will donate extra at Christmas time to charities. But I think the thing is that can't replace your gift giving. To other people, like you can't. It's like a holier version, right? Like you can't like skimp on other people and then ask them to be grateful for the fact that you (laughs) didn't give them something. Merry Christmas! (laughs) Yeah, that that whole sense of what is the most virtuous gift I can give someone so that I feel less guilty about spending or something like that. I think that you have to check that. That's that motivation side, Um, right? Like, like your intent, giving Bible, like giving Bibles for Christmas. That's my favorite one. Right, right. 
And so it's like, there's nothing wrong in and of itself. It's just, okay, what's your intent? Um, usually you're giving a gift to the person because again, you, you want them to know that you love them, that you care about them, that you appreciate them. And, and the gift that you choose you want them to feel special because you gave it to them. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't have any, um, hard and fast rules on which gifts are proper, but, but it does take time and effort. And, and this is that tension part of you have to actually invest time and effort. It is a sacrifice, which, um, I think to me, it does come back down to, how do you sacrifice in ways that are mindful, um, that aren't, let's say, detrimental to who you are and to your family, um, to your budget? Um, I'm not saying go all out and totally wipe yourself out just to buy the gifts. But I do think that there is that sense of, well, what can I do that is a sacrifice for someone else to show that you care? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think we also have to be honest with the discomfort that is embedded in this process that there is tremendous inequity in the world and it is not I think sometimes we try to deny the inequity by just consuming for ourselves like we just put it out of our mind and we don't Mm -hmm. even give it attention because it's just too painful but on the flip side like we talked about we can also become so fixated with the inequity that we try to do uh we try to redeem our gift giving in ways Mm -hmm. that are just a little bit artificial um Mm -hmm. so the whole i'm gonna buy you something from a charity or i'm gonna give you (laughs) like i understand if that's what people want like people ask for don't give me gifts give to this charity it's one thing if they ask sure or if they ask for a bible or they ask for spiritual reading you know, give that to them by all means. But like, if we're using that as a way to wrestle with the inequity we see in the world, we can't wrestle with that off of someone else's back. You know, like we can't use the opportunity to give them something as a way for us to feel better. Yes. Yeah. About the discomfort we feel. And I think the discomfort is fine. And I think it's actually important to let a little bit of that sadness come into the gift giving process. And again, that goes Mm -hmm. back to what we talked about last week, that the holidays have such an expectation of, you know, constant joy, constant rejoicing, constant, you know, up, 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 that even Mm -hmm. in our gift giving, they can be tinged with a sadness or a regret about the brokenness of the world. And that's okay. Um, And I think a lot of times we're just trying to avoid carrying that emotional weight. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had mentioned that it seems like when I get to December, it's almost like there's this awareness of like, Oh, here we are again. And here, here I am again. And I had hoped that, things would be a little bit different or I'm, I'm realizing that, oh, this is still the case. And a lot of it for me is it's the reality that yes, it's another year. And yes, I've, I'm another year older and I've gained another year of let's hope some wisdom, but the world is still the way that it is. And 
that does require a, 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 I think an outlay of sorrow or um, even some mourning that this is the world that we live in. And there are so many people who are suffering in their lack. And so it is me facing again that in my abundance, this is where I am called to give and, and to connect with the world with whatever abundance I have. I, that's the means that I can use to try to alleviate some suffering. And I think, um, some of the, the sadness that I feel, um, that blue Christmas type of feel is that I, I still think my idealism comes out as like, oh, I just want it to all be better, but that's not, that's the hope of Christmas. That's not what we have right now. And so even as we're thinking of gift giving, it's like, this is why we are so joyful about the incarnation because there is hope that this will be alleviated, but it's just not right now in this moment. And I think the temptation for those of us who do have a certain amount of abundance, which if you're listening to this in the United States, regardless of how you are struggling this year, we have to understand that we live at such abundance compared to the rest of the world. But mm-hmm. the, the challenge for those of us who have abundance is when we feel that discomfort with the brokenness of the world, our first temptation is to throw money at it. Our first mm-hmm. temptation is to say, well, just take this from me and then everything can be fixed. Just yeah. let me buy the cow. Just let me buy yep. the chickens. Yep. And then... I can no longer be sad because I have done what I needed to do to give money to fix this problem. And I Mm -hmm. think money isn't a sacrifice for us, really. What we sacrifice at this time of the year is our comfort and our Mm -hmm. willingness to be made aware. Yeah. And to sit in the brokenness and to say, huh. This is pretty awful. Yeah. And no amount of gifts that I give, no amount of money that I throw at the problem is going to fix it, even though there is still goodness in this moment. And I'm living in this space between the way things are and the way things they should be. I'm still going to live in faith and operate with generosity and joy and move my eyes toward the way things should be, but I'm not going to forget the way they are. And so Mm -hmm. I think part of our sacrifice to give this Christmas is that sacrifice of attention that's that's willing to be disturbed, willing Mm -hmm. to to let a little space for the sorrow. Um, And I think that is something of what the incarnation means in itself is, you know, Christ had this abundance and he sacrificed it for us to come into the brokenness, not just to throw money from heaven, you know, to yes, fix it, yep. but to actually sit with it. Um, yeah. And that's going to require real sacrifice. And I yeah. think maybe that's a form of generosity that is only sustainable as we understand the generosity of God um, and mm-hmm. we experience his generosity toward us. I call that whole process keeping watch. That's something that I think about a lot is how can I keep watch with the Lord over the brokenness of the world? And to enter into that 
it requires you basically to have your heart broken and and mourning over the things that aren't right, the, the very things that prompted the incarnation. And so, so yeah, that's a good word, Hannah. And I think that's a, a good note to end on for this episode. Uh, do we have a question of the day? We do. Last week okay. we asked what was your favorite gift that you've ever received or some kind of gift that you um, have experienced that just made you feel known and loved. This week we're going to flip the question and I want to know what gift have you given that you experienced the most satisfaction in giving. Maybe it required um, sacrifice on your part. Maybe it required, um, you know, some kind of elaborate planning. Maybe you were a child and you made something and you remember just secreting this away for weeks Mm -hmm. on end to give it to someone that you cared about. So the question of the day is, what is the gift that you have given that has been most satisfying and has felt most um, authentic and whole? Mm, I love that. I can't wait to hear those answers. Yes, and you can come on out to Twitter and give us those answers. We're at Persuasion CAPC. If you're in the members forum, feel free to start a thread, and we will talk about the gifts that we have given um, that have felt right. And we want to say thanks to Jonathan Clausen. He produces Persuasion and all the other shows in the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. You can listen to them at ChristandPopCulture.com. You can go to iTunes and find us there. While you're at iTunes, we would love your ratings and reviews because it helps us to be found by new listeners and we can have more people talking about these things with us online. We do appreciate all of you. We thank you for listening to Persuasion, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes, and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys, you know? A pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?